How do you build a collaborative partner network that actually works and can help you grow your business? Today, we connect with John Allison, the owner of a branding studio with a track record of using authentic relationship marketing to grow his business and deliver exceptional work by nurturing a collaborative partner network. What's impressive in John's business is that 70% of the work he currently does involves his collaborative partner network. In this episode, we dive into what makes this network effective from size to handling budget transparency and all the things to look out for. Stay tuned. It's coming up. Welcome to the Small But Mighty Agency Podcast. If you're a creative consultant or agency owner who wants to know what the roller coaster ride really looks like to grow your business from one to many, you're in the right place. My guest and I pull back the curtains on the realities of growing and running agencies of different sizes and what it takes to build a team. And if you're anything like me, you want more than the highlight reel. You want to learn from the mistakes of others so that you can stop short of making the same mistakes. I'm your host, Audrey Joy Kwan. I spend my days as a coach and consultant to multiple six and seven figure agency owners. For the last seven years, I've been behind the scenes helping people grow, lead and operate small but mighty agencies. Here at the Small But Mighty Agency podcast, we'll uncover what works and equally as important what didn't work to get these business owners to where they are today. Hi, John. I am so excited to have you on the Small But Mighty Agency podcast today. Can you tell us who you are and about the business that you own? Sure. Thanks, Audrey. It's a pleasure to be here. My name is John Allison, and I am the owner and creative director of a small branding studio called Backcountry Branding. And we focus on helping uh, small brands specifically position themselves to thrive. John, how did you start your business? Sure. I worked for a another agency for about four or five years and then started out on my own in 2016. And through connections that had been built or a, a reputation uh, throughout my career, things kind of naturally developed from there. One thing I know about you is that you are a master of networking and building collaborative partnerships. And I wanted to ask you today, and I want to spend some time exploring the collaborative partnerships that you've built in your business as a strategy to grow the business. So can we dive into that? Can you tell us a bit more about how you have grown your business using collaborative collaborative partners? I wouldn't say I'm a master at developing uh, relationships, although I appreciate that. With relationships or these collaborative partnerships that I've formed is there's a number of people who have adjacent skill sets or deep expertise that are deeply complementary to mine. And together, we do better work that you could say would be agency like in the in the robustness and how dynamic of the skill set we provide but we each run our own independent businesses so we can call on each other when the need's there but we're not holding the overhead when the need isn't there. John, you call your business a studio and not an agency. While I think collaborative partnerships work for both models, can you share what your definition of a studio is versus an agency for more context? And and my definitions might not be totally accurate here, but an agency, the way I understand it is it's a a large group of people with a wide skill set, right? Often it is in our industry, especially in the design industry, coined as a full service agency. 
right? It's it's a business that is looking to meet a wide range of services for their their client. In terms of a studio, it's just me. I'm I'm a solopreneur, if you will. I'm, I don't employ anyone full time, but I work with different people on projects as those needs are there. So we can essentially I can scale for every project that I need to scale, if that makes sense. I prefer that because it keeps me very nimble in terms of my business. I mean, COVID was significantly easier for me as a business because I didn't have the stress or worry about layoffs, right? Or needing to fill the hopper with work that I'm not specialized in. The other benefit is that I can hire the best expertise and the best talent for the need that exists, right? Because I'm not connected to a certain staff or a certain tool belt, especially with say copywriters and photographers. They're not all the same. And if I'm working with food, I need someone who not only is an expert photographer, but they're great with food and product shots, right? Dealing with people is a totally different ballgame. I think what I see in the agency world these days are that agencies are really starting to niche and specialize, which allows them to bring in teams that are more specialized. Like let's say, for example, you're, you mentioned food photographers and servicing like in the food industry. You know, I've seen agencies nowadays that really just hone in on just folk, just being a provider to food or just being provider to furniture or just being provider to healthcare. And I think that's how agencies these days are navigating the complexity by becoming highly specialized. I do hear what you're saying though, I think when you have an agency, you are looking at having more full-time employees. And what that really means is that you're building out a team to support. And when you start to build a team, you're less agile. And so what I hear you say is that as a studio, because it's you right now and you are employing this collaborative partner network, that there's agility to it that you really like. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely not dogging on the agency model. And I think the fact that more agencies are starting to niche is better for everyone. It's better for the industry. It's better for the clients because we're developing this deeper expertise instead of being generalists. We want to be specialists, which I mean, to me, that's about living what I preach. Like that's what branding is all about. It's about differentiating, right? You can't be all things to all people. So I definitely see the benefits with that. But in terms of the studio model, that's just an option that that I enjoy that works well for me and for my clients. That's not to say that agencies are dead, though they certainly are not what they were. Yeah, they're changing quite rapidly. They are. Josh, yes. I want to talk about how you've grown in your studio. Let's dive back into this idea of collaborative partners. Tell us about collaborative partners in your business. Sure. So I would define a collaborative partner for the sake of what we're talking about is Really, it's a group of people that have, as I mentioned before, adjacent skill sets, adjacent expertise that I work with on a semi-regular basis, but it's it's a project-by-project basis. So there's no long-term commitment and so on. We each own and operate our own independent businesses, and then we team up regularly for various projects. So, I mean, at this time, I'm working on a project by myself. I'm also working on a project with six-plus people, right? And that's that's our team for that project. So it allows us to scale as the need is there. What speaks to the power of collaborative partnerships evidenced in your business is that 70% of the work you currently do involves your collaborative partner network. Tell us how that looks like in your business. So 70% involving uh, this network would mean that 70% of the work I do, I'm pulling people in on or they're pulling me in on. So it's a team that is greater than myself. I think the key to this 
I've stumbled into this. Like this was not my genius plan that I set out to build my business. I'm not that good of a business person and I'm not that intelligent. But in developing some really important relationships, I think the easiest way to explain it is that I see these people and I see their work as essential to providing the best solution for my clients. I genuinely believe their work makes my work better. Let's talk about your work and their work. Your work is branding. Like that's your core special specialty. Yeah, and uh, and I would I would take that even further. Brand identity would be very specifically my niche. I do a lot of brand strategy, but I will often pull people in for additional strategy support as well. So even within branding, sometimes it can be up to three other people. So it's the identity that I'm a specialist at. Hey, John, who is part of your collaborative partners network? Sure. So brand strategists, for sure, though I do a fair amount of brand strategy myself. uh, Research is a big one. Having people that can ask the right questions that aren't leading and and getting the proper insight um, is incredibly valuable to me. Audience engagement, marketers, digital marketing and strategists, sales funnels, uh, filmmaking and videography, motion graphics, copywriting, photographers. Those would be the the specialties that I work with on a regular basis. How many people is in that network? Uh, The core would be probably around five or six. I mean, there's people that are a bit more fringe that my specialty doesn't connect with as much. So like videography, for example, or filmmaking, we can often be pulled in on the same project. We're not working together that commonly because of the nature of our work. Tell me what you think are the strengths of this network that makes it work so well. I think each of us have specialized in a very specific expertise and in order to pull back and, and create a, a more complete service for people would require becoming more of a generalist. And, and by building a team of specialists, it allows us to really hone in on using a client's budget to deliver not only the necessity of what they need, but hit it out of the park. Is there an agreement between the five or six of you that when work comes in, that it stays within your group? No. And this is where it's it's kind of, it's interesting because I don't know. I mean, this can absolutely be replicated, but I think what makes it work is that it's not so formal, right? Because part of the benefit is that we're not required to bring the work to each other. Meaning if I think someone else is better suited for the job, then I'm going to hire them. I'm not bound to the loyalty of, I must fill the hoppers of these other people. And that's not to say I don't want to bring them work. I absolutely do. But at that point, we should just build our own agency, right? It's more about having the focus to to bring the right person for the job in, but the humility that if that's not you, that's okay. You can't expect to be the right person for every job. Did you know that I have a free team growth roadmap? Imagine if you didn't spend all day, every day in the weeds of running your business. That can mean more flexibility, more freedom, less overwhelm. I created the team growth roadmap to help my clients gain direction on the strategic systems and leadership actions for a streamlined business and a self-managing team to grow your business. Inside the roadmap, I share my compass method, an acronym for each step of the roadmap to get you out of the weeds of running your business and help you have a small but mighty team that gives you more freedom and flexibility. You can get all the details over at AudreyJoyQuan.com. That's A 
B-U-D-R-E-Y-J-O-Y-K-W-A-N.com or click the link in the show notes right there in your podcast app. Back to the show. I think someone listening might ask, okay, what's the difference between the collaborative partner network that you've built versus a general referrals partner network? Referrals are trying to drum up business, if you will. And we absolutely have people within our network that are much more oriented that way. They have much more experience on the project management. They have a lot more professional connections. So they they are drumming up the work much more often. But in general, referrals are like, or at least the ones that I've been a part of, if anyone has a need for design, that person is giving them my name. And when I end up talking and qualifying them, the majority of those referrals aren't solid referrals, right? Uh, you're also significantly relying on that person understanding how how your business works and, and how you're able to meet someone's needs. That's critical to have good positioning. But at the end of the day, you can't expect that. So I don't know. I've I've experienced referrals as the person giving the referral was happy to give the referral, but they're not as focused on the quality of the referral. Got it. And I, I think what I also hear you say is that it's not just referring work over, but when someone comes to the table with a scope of work, there's an intent to collaborate, an intent to produce a result together for a client. Yes, this is all about working together. That's the thing. And, and there's an important part of this, I think, too, in terms of there's a tendency for businesses, at least this is what I've been told. This is what I've experienced it seems like it makes sense to do this from a profit perspective, but everyone wants to white label people that they work with and they really want to make it look like they are the hero that saved the day. And that fundamentally is not what we're doing. This is about working together. The people we work with know that we're different businesses that work together. We give full credit where credit is due and that's okay. I actually think that benefits everyone where the rationale I've heard in the past is, well, they've come to us so that they need to see that we're the one delivering. If we bring someone else in and they know who that is, they might just go around us. If they don't need you and they only need that person, that's okay. That's not, that's not right for the client if they have to use a middleman. You know what I mean? Hmm. So I think there's a lot of integrity and honesty that's involved in this. And you got to be bringing something to the table. If you don't want to lose your clients, deliver value right? Don't try to like bombard yourself from losing them. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think that some people believe that a client is more likely to work with a, a solopreneur or a freelancer if they appear bigger than they really are. And yeah. so and so they, they come to the table with this pretense that uh, their business has all these people in it. But in reality, you know, they're white labeling people and they're becoming the gatekeeper of that work. Yes. I want to ask you a question about budget transparency. So oftentimes, and going back to that white labeling model, typically when there's someone who is coming in with the project, they hold the keys to the budget, right? And they're less, usually they're less likely to share like, hey, this is what the entire budget is for this project. And they're really going to their white label people and either giving them a number that they want them to work for, or uh, sometimes they're really looking for a low cost provider. How do you guys work with the budget as a collaborative partnership? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have total transparency amongst each other. And again, it's because I don't know, like my dad owned a small business. It was a generational business in the trades. One thing he said to me that's always stuck with me is never be greedy. And it's crazy how much you have to replay that in your own mind because the human tendency is to want to be greedy and protect 
the money that's coming in, right? Protect these revenue sources and maximize each project. But that's an internal focus and a you focus. And yeah, I get it. Businesses need to protect their bottom line and they need to build their business. But at the end of the day, we all exist to serve somebody. And that should be at the forefront of our decision making, right? And so providing the absolute best value. If I can't be sustainable in providing that value, then I got to rethink how my business is structured, not try to cut people out and, and take a chunk out of everybody, right? And, and that being said, there's a time where you need certain design support and you're bringing in freelancers and so on. and You got to cover project management. Absolutely. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is when you're bringing someone else in, the two of you are going together or more. But I've had times where myself and one other person, someone came to us, said, here's our budget. This is what we need. We were both well suited for it. We said, why don't we just split this down the middle? We're not even going to get into the nitty gritty of it and get it accomplished. Right. And so there's a vested interest in the success of each of us involved. Your collaborative network works really, really well. And it obviously works well because you guys are doing certain things. And I, you know, I would assume that one of the things is this transparency that you guys have, which is why it works well. In the past, have there been things that you guys have done that didn't work so well in this partnership? I don't think so. Again, because this is not such a formal thing that I wouldn't say we're sitting down and and evaluating, okay, how's this going to work and so on. Though we constantly have an open conversation in terms of how did this project go? And there is also an understanding like, Sometimes you just have a tough budget and you really want to help this client. And so I've had times where I've cut my costs down in order to come in on a project with somebody and they're leading it. So they're going to get a bigger share of it. And that's fine. Right. And I guess it's it's keeping the conversation open to understand that here's what I'm actually doing. Right. So we understand where each other's values are. So, yeah, I mean, I might have a certain scope that that would be around 10,000. And they said, hey, this this guy's got five. Are you able to do something for it? And I can say yes or no, right? The, the key is to not say yes and then become uh, resentful about it. Oh, you don't value me because this is, should make me this much money. It's like, well, no, you you have the opportunity to say yes or no if, if that's going to work. And I think, yeah, you got to trust people. And here's the thing. You're going to get burned at some point, but you can never trust if you don't make yourself vulnerable to get burned at some point, right? And in some way, that's how you find the people that you can trust. Right? You're only really trusting somebody if they have the opportunity to burn you. I'm curious on the more logistical side of things of this collaborative partnership. And the logistical thing that is on my mind is project management. If you're bringing in like five different people into a project, there's an element of management that happens. Like How, how do you guys work through that piece of a shared work? or a shared client? Yeah, it, it varies. It depends on the nature of the project. If it's a large campaign, um, then someone will take lead on it. And, and they're obviously going to work in project management into to what they're billing for that. But that's that's their project at that point, right? And they're they're running lead. I mean, even if I bring that project and, and someone's better suited for it, well, we'll be open with the client about they're going to run point on this, right? And so then they'll they'll facilitate and, and take it over from there. Oftentimes, especially with building a brand, it'll almost work through phases. And it's almost like this baton that we're that we're handing off. And I've done this quite regularly with with the the one person that I work with for for digital marketing, where I'll build the brand. And I've worked with the strategists in my small team that way, but then bringing in the digital strategist who's building sales funnels and their digital marketing, he will really take over that relationship. And I don't have anything to do with it because he needs to provide an ongoing support 
And I would only be a middleman at that point, right? I still have my own relationship with the client. So sometimes it's it's one complete client that's being fully managed or one complete project that's being fully managed. Other times it's almost like this baton and, and I'm introducing to my network of people and then they become very familiar with my network and, and they use them regularly. Do you feel that the the rhythm that you have, the baton passing, as you call it, I love the word baton passing, it's something that has been nurtured over the years that you've had this collaborative partner network. I mean, one of the hardest things to figure out, I think, in collaborating with people is how do you pass batons? And so right. I'm, yeah, I just, I'm curious, how did you nurture that in, in this partnership? For me, it was, and, and I guess... I'm wary of this in the fields that I don't have expertise because I just don't know the field. I'm wary to ever hand off a client or recommend a client go to somebody if I don't trust them, right? Web is one of those things that I do not have a lot of experience. And I feel like web designers are a dime a dozen and and developers. I'm, I'm lumping them all into one category, which is not fair to them. So I'm sorry to the designers and developers out there. But so when I find a developer that I trust and I know is going to meet the need of my client, not just fit them into whatever their natural processes are, then I feel comfortable handing handing that off. So finding those people, I think was just a natural process to me that I never wanted to give a bad referral because it reflects poorly on me, right? And then as you find those people, then you are happily referring people to them on a regular basis, right? I mean, I'm the same way when it comes to people who who do merch. Like I do a lot of merch for different brands and stuff that I work with. Someone who can produce quality t-shirts, for example, shouldn't be that hard, but sometimes it is, right? And so I want to know that the people I'm pulling in to serve my client are doing the absolute top-notch job. And so I think that's where it's the pursuit of that, that you're slowly building up that trust and you just know, I'm going to send my client here I'm going to pull, I'm actually, I'm going to loot them in, introduce them. And I know my client's going to be safe with them. I think it's really instinctual for you, how you qualify someone. Correct me if if I'm wrong. Yeah. I qualify them by working with them. (laughs) I mean, that's not totally fair. I mean, that is, I think that's the most important step. It's so funny because, and I, I belong to some of these different networks and so on. And it's amazing. So many people will want to connect, right? And they have the best intentions and all we should work together. And it's like, yes, but my goodness, I have probably met hundreds of people that I've never done work with, though they wanted to do work together. Doing that first project is critical because you that's how you learn how they work, right? I've worked with people that I won't work with again, right? It just, and I mean, sometimes they're very skilled and they're lovely to work with. They just didn't have the client's needs in, like at the forefront. And so I had concerns with that, right? So I, you get a sense of it when you work with somebody. You try the best you can to judge character. And for me, it's how they talk about a client or if you're going to talk on the phone about bringing them into a project. I don't know. There's just certain flags that come up. If they're if they're so concerned about their budget and yeah. like, oh my, like, you mean, it's like, but what about the objectives? Do you like, you know what I mean? So anyways, I guess there's some instinctualness of that, but the first project's critical. You said something that I want to dive into more. You said that there are so many people who just reach out and want to work together. Too often we're sold this lie that the bigger the network, the better. What you're doing is the absolute opposite of that. You're creating a small network and 70% of the work you do involves them. Why do you think small is better? I mean, it's the same thing with 
friends versus acquaintances, right? At a certain number, they're, they're acquaintances, not friends. You can't possibly have over even 20 close friends. Like you redefine the definition of close if there's 20 of them, right? I think it's the same way with a network. You can absolutely have this expansive network of people that you're connected to, right? Look at LinkedIn people. Anyways, I'm not going to ramble about LinkedIn people trying to add you, but, <laughs> but people that you genuinely are in the trenches with, working with on a regular basis, side by side, that's, that's where I call them partners, right? And so the network is people that I know, they know me, we may do coffee on zoom or in person, but we're not really working together, right? People that I work with on a regular basis, that relationship develops as with any relationship. And, and you work better together, you work more efficiently together. I think there's a truth to the fact that great service providers do great work, naturally attract more and more clients. And so if you build a tight network of really great service providers, it's almost a guarantee to me that there's going to be work because great people doing great work get great clients. And if you have six people doing the exact same thing, then you're multiplying the number of opportunities available. If I were to dissect like why or how your network works, I would say that's kind of like the secret sauce right there. Absolutely. There's this bond and trust that's formed that I think also enables us to do better work. And because we're not, we're not trying to puff up our chests or present anything that we're not. It's funny how we've had people come to us being like, Hey, can you assemble your team? We need your help. Right. And it's like, I was told earlier in my career that you need to white label because if people think you're small, they won't want to do business with you. But it's like, no, not at all. It, the people, world is changing. <laughs> yeah, The world is changing. But I think people will also remember not the work you did for them, but how you treated them and how you made them feel. Absolutely. The, the success in terms of the what impact did you have? And I'm not trying to remove a spotlight from that. That is at the forefront. But how great the process was, how much they were able to learn in that process, how much better you made their business beyond just what the deliverables were. I think that's where the true impact has or comes from. And it's crazy to me how many of my testimonials are referencing the process and the joy of working with you and your team. Um, that is referenced consistently before we even get to results. What I see happening in the smaller agencies doing really well is connected to many things you're talking about here. They're focused on providing the business best friend type of model as an agency. And what's interesting to me is that your collaborative partnership network is independent studios, but it's almost like your network is an agency without the title. And there's a ton of flexibility. The flexibility is like, this project doesn't interest me, so I'm letting it go. You have the flexibility to say yes or no. The difference with an agency is that if you're an agency and you're a team of four and work comes in, it's not likely that someone employed by you can say no to work coming in. As it stands right now, you're able to say, not for me. Oh, exactly. And I mean, I believe very strongly about that from a personal perspective in that I will not work with any company or organization that I personally can't get behind. I don't think, regardless of, of why I can't get behind it, I don't think I can do the best job for them if I don't believe in what they're doing, right? So I think passing over my personal views of whatever they're doing 
and just setting that aside for a second, I think I'm doing them a disservice, right? If I can't get behind it. And so there's the freedom to say no to work that you don't support. The The opposite of that is the work that you do, you support wholeheartedly. And like, especially, I don't know, I love what I do, but a big part of what I love doing and what I benefit from is learning about what these brands are doing, learning about what these organizations are doing and getting behind them and passionate about what they're doing, right? And it provides better work. And so, yeah, I think we joke, we joke at times about being our own unofficial agency and stuff like that. But the flexibility to say no, uh, to not bear that overhead, or if we have a busy month or whatever, then then we can keep a distance and, and work through our stuff and come back when we've got more capacity. Hmm. When you say bear the overhead, when you think of the agency model, what type of overhead do you see as something that you don't want to bear? Uh, I think it's mostly the salaries. And I think, <laughs> and I should, I should qualify here. I think that makes me sound like I don't want to support people's wages. And that's not what I mean. I, I want to keep nimble from a business perspective, also from my, my family's perspective. I think it's harder for me to say no when I know that it's the right thing to do if I have to support somebody's wages, right? Yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, what you're saying is that this is a preference of lifestyle that you have, or right? you don't want to build a team because the, the supporting the actual wages feels like extra pressure that you yourself right now are not ready to take on. And that's okay. Totally. I also don't think I would be the greatest. I'm just not the greatest business person. I know what I'm doing and I think in my industry, it would be above average because creatives are notoriously terrible at running a business. I'm okay at it just because there's some experience in my family there that I grew up with. I just don't think I could build anything larger. And I don't think I'd be the person to run anything larger. So, so that's a big part of it. Thanks for being so transparent. So I got to ask, if someone wanted to create a collaborative partner network like the one that you have, what should they know? Yeah, so I would first start with be very clear on what you bring to the table. You need to bring expertise that is needed, not just be capable of doing something, right? So competency is not what is needed in these relationships, it's expertise, right? The other thing you need to be very clear on is what expertise do you need, right? So where do you need to rely on somebody else's expertise? Because somebody who comes to the table and they're trying to cover all their basis, right? They're a designer and a web designer and an SEO specialist and all like that's, that's not niched enough. And so there isn't a real clarity on what you provide and there's not a real clarity on what you need. So I think some clarity on that. I think at, at the the other thing would be getting ready to share work. So I talked about that first project together. That first project often, in my experience, can include a project you could do on your own and you could do a great job on your own, but you're going to choose to bring somebody else in to improve the quality of that project, which means you're going to share some of that budget, right? That's not easy to do. Right. But I think you have to be willing to do that. And it, and it takes some faith in, in doing that. But I think that's fundamental to, to what you need to be prepared to do. As I mentioned, don't white label or undercut your partners. There's a time and a place where you're bringing in support and that's a different story. But uh, generally speaking, you're not trying to hide them under your banner. You need to be willing to give them credit. You look at most of the brands that I have built. If I told you I did all of that myself, like I'm either Superman or I'm lying, right? 
like one person can't provide that depth or level of expertise on such a, a, a wide scale. So I think it's critical, not just for, because it's the right thing to do, but I think it speaks actually to how good your team is, right? A team is better than a single person. And then I, yeah, I would be clear on, on the people that you work with. I mean, I include my core partners on my website. I include them in my proposals. I have it in my project terms, uh, how I work with people. So I would say those are some of the key things that that you need to be prepared to do, or at least might need a mindset shift. Thank you for summarizing that. Before we wrap up, I have one final question for you. What keeps you inspired and at your best? Yeah, this oh, this is a this is a question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think generally speaking, and this is this is me as a person because I think with whatever you do, you have to see yourself as a person, not just the employee or employer of that specific job. I try to stay curious. Curiosity and wonder drive my creativity. Otherwise, I'm going to think I've made it or I'm going to become complacent in some way. So staying curious, inviting the wonder of, of what is happening around you. More practically speaking, I try to stay up to date on on all the great work that's happening in my industry across the globe in terms of of brands that are being built and rebrands that are taking place. That's the kind of stuff that not only inspires me, but it really pushes me to to do better and rethink how, how things are evolving. What else? I try to read a lot. Mm. But but with that, I don't want to just be a consumer of ideas. It's about wrestling with them and developing my own thinking, my own perspective. I think those things, each of those is what lights a fire under me. And John, where can people find you? Sure, you can. I'm on Instagram, uh, backcountry underscore ID. That would be the main place that I, I try to post. Otherwise, you can check out my website at backcountrybranding.ca. But otherwise, I'm uh, I'm not that out there, and that's okay. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Audrey. Thanks for listening to the Small But Mighty Agency podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me. Or send a screenshot on Instagram while tagging me at Audrey Joy Kwan.